about choosing between the good and the bad. Anybody can do that. You can do that without God. But the high road is choosing between the good and the best, and always choosing the best. Welcome back to the Baptist Friends Podcast with Dr. Clarence Sexton, where we gather around truth, friendship, and world evangelism. Good morning. Good morning. I'm glad you're with us today. Try to give some conclusion to what we've been talking about, about preaching. And so I'm going to take care of that today, God willing. I'm so glad you're with me. There's a lot of things I want to talk about. And let's pray together and ask God to guide us. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father, we thank Thee for this day, for Thy love and mercy. And we give Thee praise and glory for the opportunity we have to have this Shepherd Summit. May we be true to Thee in all things. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The two things I want to talk about before I talk about the preaching, one is our couples conference coming up this Thursday evening, Friday all day, and Saturday morning. And the dates are the 24th, the 25th, the 26th. It begins at 7 o'clock at the convention center in Gatlinburg on Thursday night, all day Friday, and then Saturday morning. You can get your own room, but you can register online. And uh, faithforthefamily.com is how you register, faithforthefamily.com. We're going to have a wonderful time. We'll have about 800 people there, and God will bless in a great way. He always does. We have some marvelous people speaking. My wife and I are working at that too. The second thing, I'm speaking tonight, I just want you to pray, in Nashville at the state capitol, and uh, the rally is uh, concerning freedom and our responsibility in our country, those of us who are in God's work, and so I want you to pray for me. It starts at 6.30 this evening at the state capitol in Nashville. A few of you are in this region. You may want to try to make that meeting. We would be thrilled to see you. But anyway, I want you to pray about those two things. Well, we're off to the races about preaching. Are you ready? Good. I'm glad. When that smile comes across your face, it's encouraging. I said this is the grand conclusion of the preparation and delivery of the sermon, part one of the conclusion. And so we begin with this, and I, I want you to know that all of this will be available in a book being published on preaching. But number one, I want you to write this down. Remember, as you're preaching, that we're living in an age of biblical illiterate people. <clears throat> Think about it. You assume people know things that they don't know. So we're living in an age of biblically illiterate people. It helps the people if the preacher turns to his related text and supports scripture rather than just quoting them. The congregation gets used to using the Bible. 
when I'm preaching, you have your own style, but when standing to preach, the first sentence out of our mouths should concern the message God has given us to deliver. So you're giving attention to the Word of God. And may God guide us and help us. And so remember that we're preaching to a biblically illiterate age. A biblically illiterate age. <laughs> Have we got it together, girls? Good. Praise God. Let's move on. Second thing. Always be a Bible preacher. Begin each message with a Bible text. Read the passage completely before making comments on specific parts and words in the passage. This gives the audience an opportunity to understand the context of the passage. Sometimes preachers are preaching, they start reading a verse or two, then they stop, comment on that. Then they read something else, comment on that. You know the passage you're dealing with. Call the people's attention, have them open their Bible. Expect them to bring their Bible. Years ago, I don't know when, I really don't know who, but someone said, take the Word of God, please, and turn with me. And that gave me a, a way to start preaching. So I get up, approach the pulpit, hold up my Bible, and say, take the Word of God and turn with me, please. And then when they have found it, I may make some comment or statement to give people time to find it, have their Bible open. I even say sometimes we'll begin reading in chapter 3 with verse 4 or whatever. But always be a Bible preacher. Begin each message with a Bible text. I think sometimes preachers, God bless them, try to be cute. And they think, uh, they think they've got to tell something, do something funny. And uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't teach that. I want you to understand that there's nothing like the Word of God as powerful as the Word of God. So call people to it. When I was just a boy starting out, there was a man named Jess Moody who was pastor of the First Baptist Church in Palm Beach, Florida, West Palm Beach. And he started a whole new trend in preaching among young Southern Baptists. He was very popular and successful in his ministry, so... Um, it influenced a lot of people. But my pastor, Dillard Hagen, said to me, I don't want you to behave like that. He could speak plainly to me, and he did. Jess Moody started a way of telling some sort of narrative, not even taking a Bible, and then giving the Bible text at the end. So in other words, it was not presenting the Scripture and explaining the Scripture, and he was a very popular man, as I said, and very articulate. But so young preachers started trying to emulate Jess Moody. He was the, sort of the preacher of the day. But I, I, I was taught by my pastor, take the Word of God, bring people to the Word of God, begin with God and God's Word, and then that's what we ought to do. And so... Number three, when you're preaching, know where to start and where to stop. It's interesting that some preachers don't seem to know where they want to begin. 
and then they just speak on and on and on and on, and it appears they don't know where to stop. But as you've studied and prayed, God has put something upon your heart, and you want to bring the audience with you to this. Just stay with them a little bit, one at a time, please, okay? And um, <laughs> you, you need to get the people on the bus before you leave. You need to get the people on the train before it pulls out of the terminal. And so um, you want to get people engaged in what you're doing and saying. Whatever's comfortable with you. You don't have to be me and I don't have to be you. Thank God you, you don't have to be me. But preaching should be prepared with orderly thoughts that lead to biblical conclusions. Of course, every God-called, God-anointed preacher will be spontaneous at times during the message. And that's wonderful. Uh, some people don't have that spontaneity, but we all need it. The Spirit of God will give you energy and burst of energy. I've said to our people, there are times when there are waves of faith. I don't know how to explain it. I really don't. But it's a supernatural thing. There are waves of faith. There are moments when I, I will believe God for greater things. Why? My, my whole life in ministry is not an emotional roller coaster. I have emotion. I am emotional. I have a fire inside me. But there are times when I'm ready to trust God for greater things. And there are moments in preaching when the Spirit of God comes to you and you linger on something you haven't planned to linger on. It may be something that is attracting your attention from the audience or someone. I don't know. Uh, I hope it's not the flesh. But you're having this burst of energy. Don't apologize for it. It's who you are. And may God guide us and help us. Next thing I'd like for you to write down, when you're preaching, try to be as perfectly natural in the pulpit as possible. Try to be as perfectly natural in the pulpit as possible. Be yourself. Use your voice, your gestures. Nothing is worse than speaking in an unusual, unnatural voice invented for the pulpit. Spurgeon has his lectures to students. If you've never gotten a copy of it, you need to get a copy of it. It's rather expensive, but it's worth it. And he has a, a chapter on the preacher's voice. But be yourself. Um, and with gestures, it's natural. Be natural. Just be yourself. Someone has said that the acid test of a preacher's delivery is whether it reflects the way he talks when he's out of the pulpit. Adding more energy and force. We do not need to deliver a separate preacher's voice or try to develop a separate preacher's voice for the ministry. You've heard people do that. How stupid. And uh, that's Greek for ignorant. But anyway, the, the whole idea is be yourself. God made you. If he made you tall and slim, if he made you short and fat, 
if he made you tall and fat, whatever God did, and he's given you a voice. I've had an eight and a half hour surgery in my throat. <clears throat> That's why I try to keep it lubricated when I'm speaking. Interestingly enough, all the young preachers now want to have water and take a sup while they're preaching. And uh, they've even started to limp, God bless them. But, the, <laughs> but they, have, they haven't had nine surgeries to straighten out their spine. Just be yourself, that's all. Be yourself. All right? The preacher must always lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. Hyman Appleman said me to this to me one day. He said, if you're toying between which sermon to preach, and he was talking as an evangelist being out on the road preaching. He said, when you're trying to find a conclusion and there's moments, not often, but the moments, I plan all of my preaching. Plan, P-L-A, and plan all of it. And I know where I'm going with it. But there's times when I'm out somewhere and I'm wondering, what message should I bring? You know, when you preach thousands of sermons and you average preaching every day, somewhere to somebody, sometimes you're troubled about what message I, I'm to bring. Uh, I'm going to give a lecture this evening at the state capitol in Tennessee on the responsibility of the church, the responsibility, the role of religion in America. But Appleman said to me one day when I was with him, and he was one of the greatest preachers that ever lived. He said, when you're balancing a sermon and wondering which one I'm going to preach, preach the one, come down on the side of the one that has the most Jesus in it. I thought that was good advice. Well, they all be, ought to be filled with the Lord, but he said one, one of those sermons will give an opportunity to talk more about the Lord Jesus. That's just a quaint expression that he made one day to me. But uh, he's in heaven now, been there for a long time. Dr. Robertson, Dr. Lee Robertson, thought he was the greatest natural preacher he ever heard. But that was his advice to me about that, that, that matter. So we're lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ. If Christ is not in the message, don't preach it. <laughs> Christ is in the Bible if you preach the Bible. He will be in your message if you preach the Bible. No doubt about that. And then walk with the Lord into the pulpit. Now that may sound like, well, we know that. No, no, people don't. Walk with the Lord into the pulpit. He's there in the meeting. He promised to be there. So we're all bringing our flesh in the pulpit. We have to guard against certain things about using it. But consciously, Walk into the pulpit with the Lord. He accompanies you. He's enabling you. He's giving you power. He's helping you know what to say. I always, frankly, know in my mind as much as possible where I'm going to start. And uh, this idea of saying, take the Word of God and turn with me to, and then naming the passage is always a good way to get my mouth open and start moving my mouth. Because sometimes you come to the pulpit and you wonder, what am I going to say to get into this? And then I always give the context, most always, give the context of the passage 
as an introduction, helping people get there when they're getting there to read it so that they know where we're going. I, I think I told you about touring on a special tour. The tour guide takes you and on the bus, he tells you where we're going to go and what we're going to see. And then when you get there, he tells you what you're seeing. And then when you leave there, he tells you what you've seen. And that's sort of what the preacher does. The preacher is telling people, this is where we're going. This is what we're going to see. And then after you've seen it, you remind them, now this is what you saw. You know? And um, it, it can become a natural way of speaking to you. And that's what I'm praying for. So walk with the Lord into the pulpit. That'll come to you in a, in a stronger way at some time. When a preacher preaches, he must tell the people how to be saved. Did you write that down? When a preacher preaches, he must tell the people how to be saved. There are some of my friends who are now with the, with the Lord who heard Harry Ironside at the Moody Church in Chicago. I have all of Ironside's books, the Wiseau Brothers, uh, published them all years ago. They're no longer in business. But if you've ever seen them in your library or seen them in someone's library, they all look the same when they were published. But uh, the people who heard Harry Ironside said he was a, a masterful Bible teacher and he always added a hook in all of his sermons. It may have been somewhere in the middle of it. It may have been at the end of it. But he never preached without giving that gospel hook. So when the preacher preaches, he must tell people how to be saved. You may, you may be preaching on Jacob's ladder, but you're going to tell somebody how to be saved. That's your business. That's what you're there for. And someone needs to hear that. Never state that you're a Christian without explaining how to, to know the Lord. People like saying things like, I'm a Christian, I became a Christian. Make it a habit not to do that. When you say, I'm a Christian, explain there was a time in my life when God convicted me of my sin and by faith I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. So never make vague statements that provide no clear understanding. So you're telling people how to be saved when you're preaching. The next point I'd like for you to write down is, as a preacher, discover the freedom of delivering God's message, not your own. Now, I preach other people's sermons. Other preach my, people preach my sermons. When I started out, I didn't know how to build a sermon. I started out with a testimony. I think that's a good way to start when you're preaching. And a lot of times today, after 55 years of preaching, I'll go to a strange place and I'll just get up in the pulpit and tell people, I'm so thankful that someone took the Bible one day and explained to me when I was nearly 14 years old, they explained to me how to know the Lord Jesus as my personal Savior. I asked God to forgive my sin, and by faith I trusted Christ as Savior. And everything in my life has been different because of that. And that's a, a warm way to approach a strange audience. I was at a home yesterday praying with a lady who has cancer and one of our great members. And I said, tell me when you came to know the Lord as your Savior. That's how we started our conversation. And she said, oh, 
I went to a youth camp when I was just a girl. It was a youth camp in Michigan. Uh, we were living in Holland, Michigan. And she enjoyed so much telling me how as a nine-year-old girl she trusted the Lord Jesus as her personal Savior. And I'm saying to you, um, God has a message. We're delivering boys. And He has a message. And you're giving your message. And you want to get to the point where they either receive or reject Him. They're not receiving or rejecting you. Uh, John the Baptist said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Can you imagine what Jesus said about John the Baptist, none greater born of woman? Can you imagine him being content with saying, all I am is a voice. Don't make much of me, make much of him. I must, I must decrease, he must increase. So it's his message. So as a preacher, discover the freedom of delivering God's message. You're coming to the people to bring them what God said in His Word. Do the best you can at it, but it's His Word. One of the common errors, another thing I want you to write down, one of the common errors made by a novice in the ministry is to try to preach too much at one time. People can't take it. They just can't take it. Um, oh, I've done that so many times. My wife is my greatest critic, and she has the she has the opportunity to do that because I know she loves me. And uh, I tell you what, she's given me some pretty big, severe beatings. And sometimes we don't hardly get to the car before it starts. <laughs> but the wounds of a friend, especially my best friend uh, outside the Lord Jesus, uh, ought to be welcomed. But. I've, I've gone on and on about something sometime and uh, I heard Chriswell say one time how he got a message. He would read the Bible. He Maybe he's preaching through the book of Isaiah. He didn't preach all 66 chapters of the book of Isaiah. He would read chapter 1. God speak to him about a passage and he would preach on that. Work it all up, study it, preach on it. And then he'd maybe read chapters 2 and 3 and 4 and Five, maybe come to chapter 6 and God speak to him there and that's what he gave. You see what I mean? And he was giving people the word of God. So one common error we make. I hear young preachers say sometimes, I'm going to preach through, I'm going to preach through the book of Isaiah. I'm going to, I'm going to preach through, oh, baloney. You know, uh, you, just get somewhere in some small berry patch and work it for a while and, and, and do it thoroughly. Now, today, um, I, I handle things a little differently. One reason for that is because I know I'm going to be here. I came here to stay. It's easier for them to move their letter than it's for me to move my furniture. And the fact of the matter is, I came here to stay. And, and I told them that when I came. And I said, if you want to fight and fuss, I'll leave for a while and come back when you stop fighting and fussing. I'm not putting up with it. And I've been in the ministry 21 years when I came here. And I said, uh, I'm not going to fight and fuss and argue with you. If it's Bible, it's Bible and we're going to do it. So that's just the way it ought to be. But I'm going to be here to stay. So I don't have to preach everything today. I'll, I'll live to come back Sunday night or Wednesday night or next Sunday morning. 
And I'm just trying to encourage you not to bite off more than they can chew uh, at one time. One of the common errors made by a novice in the ministry is to preach too much at one time. Okay? Deal thoroughly with each subject. Next big point here. We must remember that there is a certain amount of pain in preaching. Pain. I said pain. As the country boy said, that hurts. You know? There's a certain amount of pain in preaching. It could be the pain from the critics. But you're just, you're working, you're working, you're building, you're trying, you're praying, you're, you're struggling, you're trying to get it. You want to know this is what God's given me to say. And there's a certain amount of pain in preaching. The preacher learns that when he preaches a sermon, it takes something out of him. Uh, he empties himself. He pours himself out. Sometimes, some preachers, it's not good to talk to them too much after they preach. Leave them alone. Let them, let them work through those emotions. I mean, a lot of times when I'm finished preaching, I poured my heart out and with such passion. I throw, my, I throw my whole self into it. Like Charles Spurgeon said, when a man preaches, he ought to preach with his whole body. I'd love to have heard him in person and seen him, seen him. Abraham Lincoln said when, and think about it, they were in the same era, different continents. He said when a man preaches, he ought to preach like he's fighting a swarm of bees. Think of that. I was in John Wesley's church, chapel, in many churches, but John Wesley's chapel uh, near Bun Hill in London. And you go in there and tour around and see Wesley's real pulpit where Wesley preached. And had a, he had a big Bible on it. And the, uh, the curator said the first time I was there, he said, now, Mr. Wesley knocked this Bible off a lot when he was preaching. Can you imagine a big, huge Bible? And he'd knock it off, throwing, flinging his arms around. He wasn't but four feet, 11 inches tall. And he had a wife at home, finally left him. But she, somebody came to his house one day, she was dragging him around by the hair of the head. No wonder he had exercised himself when he got in the pulpit. But the fact of the matter is, there is, there's a certain amount of pain. It does take something out of you. Mm. I'm trying here to make sure that we're still with you. And, uh, but on our screen, Justin Trudeau, the devil himself has come up on here. So we're trying to get him off and get one of you angels on. That's what God calls you. Uh, help, the, help the lady, will you please? And uh, good. She starts talking to herself when she gets in these situations. And it just. Uh, are you out there in Zoom land? Are we still together? Good. Good. So, pain. <laughs> pain. Interesting, isn't it? The next big thing I'd like for you to write down is a sermon should be characterized by authority. Our authority is in the Word of God and knowing that we have God's anointing on our lives to preach His Word. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 to 29, the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You got it? 
Have we got it? It's still going, but we're working on it. So you're speaking with authority. You've walked to the pulpit with the Lord. He's with you, in you, alongside you, helping you in every way. And so may God guide us and help us to speak with authority. I must move on. You know, we're never going to get finished. And the next big point I want to give you is the preacher's message must be clear. Can't say enough about this. It must be clear. How do people understand it? Uh, when I was in Madison Avenue Baptist Church in Patterson, New Jersey, we had so many people in our church, so many people in our church, who were speaking English as a second language. And I, I found the use of parts of speech to say something one way and then to say the same thing another way. And uh, it, it helped me to do that. Clear. Be clear. When the congregation dismissed, people should be able to speak to one another and say, this is what the preacher said. You know, I've heard preachers myself, honestly. And I think I was listening and trying hard. Trying very hard. But the truth of the matter is, it wasn't clear. What they were saying to me was not clear. And God helped me. I want to say, well, what did the man mean? What was he trying to say? I want to be able to hear something and it's clear. Then the, uh, another point, over the years, the preacher will go through a cycle in the emphasis of his ministry and preaching. Let's say, for example, uh, when I first answered the call to preach, I gave all of my uh, attention to preaching. As I got involved in the pastorate, I realized that I was spending too much time dealing with the demands of the ministry, now I find myself delegating more of those responsibilities and once again coming back to the place, placing greater emphasis on preaching. And, and then this is something. When you find a man with young children, he'll be saying things in his sermons that have to do with the rearing of young children. Um, you find a man with teenagers and he may be bringing into the pulpit some of the things he's dealing with talking to his teenagers. So over the years, we go through cycles about preaching. That's why we've got to stick to the Word of God. Uh, don't allow what is happening in your personal life in the world to dominate your pulpit. This will lead to an overabundance of issue-oriented preaching. And uh, we have a tendency to do that today. So much so. When I started out half a century ago, you didn't hear preachers talking so much about that. Now we're so overwhelmed with a 24-hour news cycle and all those kinds of things. And uh, it, 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 moves, it moves us to want to answer everything. Let me just stop for a minute and say this. Can you still hear me? There are principal things, principal things that give a foundation for so many other things. 
For instance, uh, I was preaching in a, a youth crusade and uh, somebody wanted me to speak on uh, what, what the Bible has to say about tattooing your body. And I thought, well, it needs to be mentioned. God mentions it. And I gave him the passage in Leviticus about it. But there's a principle underneath that. And the principle is whose body is your body if you're a child of God? Whose body is your body? Your body belongs to the Lord. Uh, you don't have a right to mark it up and do things to it. it it's not yours. The Bible teaches clearly that once the Christian comes to Christ, his body belongs to God. It is his body. And so you've got to get permission from God for all these things. And I think when you're doing that, that's the best thing. Always, always. Always. I want you to do this. Would you write this down, please? Preach the clear commands of God. God doesn't make suggestions. And when you're dealing with the clear commands of God, give them as the clear commands of God. Because God doesn't make suggestions. And may the Lord help us. Are you still listening? Now I want you to write this down. Preach the Bible and make frequent references to the Bible text. In other words, the big deal is what God says. The major emphasis is what the Lord has given you. So keep making reference to the Bible. This is what the Word of God says. Remember what the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 and 5. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Someone may never say, well, that Clarence Sexton, he's a smart cookie. They may never say that. But I want them to say, all I need is in the Lord. God's Word answered the great need of my life. It's like the American group that went to uh, hear Parker in the morning at, at the temple. And uh, they came out and said, what a preacher. The same group went to hear Spurgeon in London at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in the evening. And when they came out, they said, what a Savior. What a Savior. So you want people's confidence to be built in the Lord, in God's Word. Of course, they have some measure of confidence in you. But preach the Bible and make frequent references to a Bible text. Now, you may or may not like Billy Graham. I, that's not for me to debate with you. I appreciate that he finished, his, he finished his journey with clean garments as far as morality and decency is concerned. And when I was a young preacher... Uh, I was in a Billy Graham crusade when I was a young preacher. Had breakfast with Billy Graham and got acquainted with him personally. And one of the styles he had in preaching influenced all of us in that era was he would say, and the Word of God says, and the Bible says. 
and the Bible says, and the Bible says, and the Bible says. And he would go back to the Word of God and back to the Bible. I, I, I think that had an effect on me. It was bringing people back to God, bringing people back to what God says. Now, you may have other examples you'd like to use, but I'm just saying from my experience, as a kid preacher coming up, uh, I heard him say that over and over again. The next thing I want to say is preach the truth. Preach the truth. I tell our people at Crown College when they're going through tests and measurements, I don't even like for them to give multiple choice. I don't like to emphasize any false statement. False teachers and preachers are the worst of criminals. Spiritual poison has everlasting consequences. Great truths, great principles, not simply interesting outlines and ideas. So you're declaring the truth. The declaration is given of the truth. May God guide you and help you. And then I want to say this. Preach the word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 3, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Preach the word. We're to preach the scriptures. You know, you may think you have an interesting idea. That may be an illustration you give, but God wants you to preach his word. We're to preach the scriptures. One of the purposes of preaching is to get people to read the Bible. One of the great purposes of preaching is trying to get people back to the Bible, get them in the Bible, get them interested in the Bible. Fragmented preaching will never get people into God's Word. And so, give them God's Word. The Word of God liveth and abideth forever. What a, what a blessing to give people God's Word. Then I must say this, truth must be repeated. I hope all of you have heard the little expression, repetition is the mother of learning. Truth must be repeated. If the truth of the message is worth preaching once, it's worth repeating. If it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. People need the privilege of growing up in a church where the Bible is proclaimed and the truth of God's Word, those truths are dealt with repeatedly. I like to say things so that people can repeat them. I've said to you before, preaching should be about, preaching should be about people repeating what you're preaching. Can they repeat what you've said? So your, your truths are being repeated. Now, you may not preach the same sermon over and over. I want, I want to personally preach through everything in the Bible before I'm dead. And, uh, and so, for instance, I preached through the book of Proverbs when I was at Madison Avenue Baptist Church in Patterson, New Jersey. I've referred to lots of Proverbs in supporting messages, but I've never preached through the book of Proverbs here. I preached through other things. I preached through the book of Acts at the Madison Avenue Baptist Church in Patterson, New Jersey. I've never preached through the book of Acts here. I want to preach through all 66 books of the Bible. Now, that may not be something on your mind, but uh, Chriswell preached through the Bible to his congregation 
and put that plant, that thought in my mind. And I know, I know everything in the Bible that I've preached to this church over the last 30, nearly 34 years. And I know everything I haven't preached. So I want to give them that too. And some of it's hard, but it helps me. Um, that doesn't mean you have to give every word, every sentence, every, every paragraph. But there are great themes and things that people need that, that they're missing. Give them a steady diet of the Word of God. Let them look forward to hearing what God said, what God wrote in His Word. And so you're, you're, you're repeating. And sometimes God repeats things, and you'll, you'll repeat it as He repeats it. For instance, you'll find in the Old Testament uh, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah in the 19th chapter of Genesis. But God talks about it again and again. Now why? In other words, this event took place with the raining of fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed the cities of the plain. It took place and then it becomes a point of reference. He repeats a point of reference. He said in the first chapter of Isaiah, if it hadn't been for a remnant in Judah, they would have become just like Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, you have to know something about Sodom and Gomorrah to be able to understand what he was meaning. But God repeated it. He repeated it because we needed to hear it again and hear it again. I think uh, there's a danger in going into the Bible and finding something that becomes your hobby horse or your pet theme. And almost every time you preach, you're, you're talking about it. Today, it's the homosexual lifestyle. And some people want to talk about it over and over and over. Uh, but there's, that there's, things, there's things behind all that. The reason we have uh, so much of this today and transgender this, that, and the other, I just read the other day something so disturbing that 15,500, 15,500 military personnel have transgendered and are in the military. And they're recruiters and officers. Where did all this come from? And I think the idea is it came from the sexual anarchy that we allowed in our country and in our world. And it just became a thing that everybody did what they wanted to do, what was right in their own eyes. So keep digging and digging and find what's at the foundation of this because you've got to strike a death blow to those foundational things if you're going to deal with it. Please think this way. And I, I would think this. Always speak like there's somebody. Listen to me. Always speak like there's somebody in your congregation that's brokenhearted over that issue. It may be alcohol. It may be sexual perversion. Whatever it may be. But always speak as the pastor, as the shepherd, like there's someone listening to you with a broken heart over that. That doesn't mean you don't speak the truth in love. Certainly you speak the truth in love. But there's, 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 there's compassion in it. You know? 
you're not, you're not wanting to stay that way. And the Lord can work in their heart and work a mighty miracle. But I'm not talking about when you're repeating things that over and over and over and over you stay on some little hobby horse you've got. It maybe gets under your skin or annoys you. And you just, that's all you ever talk about. As a matter of fact, every pastor will be known for something. He has a message. And it's sort of what people expect of him when he's preaching. And every pastor will be known for something. I want to be known as a man who loved the Son of God and loved the Word of God and loved God's people. Not some raving maniac that carried a hatchet around to see how many people he could kill every day. God help us. What are you known for? When people think of you, what do they, what do they think of? When I think of Lee Robertson, I could tell you immediately the things that were the themes of his life in preaching. Evidently, when he was preaching, it was almost like he was thinking out loud. We were hearing from him what was on his heart and mind. There was such a passion for Christ in his preaching. And may God raise up more people just like him. I think this is a good place for me to stop with this because there's so many things we need to talk about with questions you've written. Here's some questions. Pastor, where should a man start when he's been married with children but he has not been the leader of the home that he should be? The wife has taken the lead in areas God did not intend. But now the man wants to step up. Well, I say this. Be real. Be real. Get your home right. You don't get your home right in the pulpit. You get your home right in the home. You know, you can't, you can't bring life to what you've put to death in the home. You can't bring life to that in the pulpit. So you've got homework to do. And the homework is attending to that. My wife and I don't have a perfect relationship and we won't until we get to heaven. But We've made certain things our, our, our deal. For instance, I don't leave home without telling her I love her. I, she doesn't let me leave without telling me she loves me. Her father was killed in an automobile accident when she was just a child. He never came home. My mother and father were divorced. I never heard my parents even, even mention the subject of love. I never heard them even mention it. But I love both of them but I never heard them talk about it. And they had developed habits of being loud and boisterous to one another. 
Um, you can't talk to your wife like she's a congregant and you're the preacher. Uh, the tone of your voice reflects your soul. Uh, you're asking questions that are hard to answer, but if you want to get your wife right in the church and right with you, that's, that's your personal work to have to do. When's the last time you've touched her? I'm not talking about for sexual relationships, but you've touched her or put your arm around her, came up behind her, put your hands on her shoulders, kissed her in the back and told her you loved her. Um, you say, well, we don't do that anymore. Well, get back to it, you idiot. And uh, that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of thing. Women always need that and men always need that. Always. So, uh, you know, if you, if you succeed in your church, and you fail in your home. You failed. Think of that. If you succeed in your church and you failed in your home, you may not have a wife like John Wesley had. She was a, she was a raven maniac. You may not have a wife like Charles Weigel, uh, the singer, had. She told him she didn't want any part of the ministry and left him. You may not have a my wife, like Harry Ironside, had. Little people, few people know this, but Harry Ironside was never happy in his marriage because his wife was just uh, some of his close friends who lived to my day told me that. But you're not the exception. You can always make things better than they are. So um, start, speak. If you've let your wife run the church, then you're just, you're a powder puff and they all know it. Uh, but you don't get that back by being rude and overbearing to your wife in public. I'm the boss. When you have to say, I'm the boss, you're not the boss. <laughs> when you have to say, I'm the pastor around here, you're not the pastor when you say that. I'm the head. When you say I'm the head, you're not the head. Uh, I don't know what you're trying to accomplish, but some of it is just so personal you have to do at it. And, and it might take months, not days, not a one I'm sorry. It may take months to get things back where it is. But you, you've got your heart set on getting this thing like it ought to be. And so... Uh, you teach her to love you by loving her. You know, that's it. That's just it. Uh, and don't use the past or some, the way I was raised. I heard, two, I heard two young men in Dr. Robertson's office one day who had done something to a girl they shouldn't have done. And they said something that I, they said something like this. Now listen, they said, it's just the way we were raised. I thought Lee Robertson was going to kill them both. I mean, literally. I thought he was going to kill them and I was going to be witness to a murder in his office because he couldn't stand the fact that they were using their upbringing as an excuse for doing that kind of thing. You see, there is a Savior and there's an indwelling Holy Spirit who enables us, who changes lives. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. You might be a yeller and a screamer, I'm married to a woman. I'm married to a woman that was raised without a daddy. 
She ran the place. But now she lets me run it. But we had to go through that. And she's strong will, mercy, mercy. That's a strong woman. And I love it. She's a spirited woman. I love that spirit. Uh, but be yourself, but be the self God wants you to be. Let me get to another question before somebody drops over dead while I'm talking. Will your Ezra book have Sunday school material available with it like the other full-length books? Yes, I've written nearly 40 books like that. And this is, the, this is the guide for the teacher for Ezra. This is the student guide for the student for the book of Ezra. And it's available for you. And so I hope you'll get it. I think it's the best thing God ever let me write. And it's about the return to God, leading return to God. I hope you'll order it and use it. And you know, it's, it's a book of the Bible that people aren't as familiar with as they need to be. And that's always a plus to get people into that corner of God's Word and get in there and find out what God put that book in the Bible for. Um, will these 75 points you've been covering on preaching be available for us when you have it done? Yes. It is a chapter in a book on preaching that I'm writing but I'll send you that chapter if you want it when I'm finished. But you have to email me, you lazy hound. You know, why should I just send, well, should I, why should I just send it all out to you and, and you never ask for it? You have an email. If you don't, ask somebody smart in your church to email. And, and if you ask me for that, I'll send it to you. I'll put it in a little envelope and I'll send you the, the magazine that has that chapter in it, the preparation, delivery, sermon, and you'll have it all. I want you to have these things. I mean, honestly, if I could give you everything I've got, I want to give it to you. Anything that might help you be more of what God wants you to be and be a more blessing to your people, that's exactly what I want to do. Uh, a question. Next question. Someone that learned in Bible college that they were taught that as the preacher is supposed to think of yourself greater than the audience. Is this scriptural? I don't know who sent this question, but it's full of baloney. Uh, you were taught in Bible college that uh, you're, as a preacher, you're greater than the audience. Baloney. That, that, that's ridiculous, self righteous statement. Uh, that's, that's wrong. I don't know who taught it, but they'd never been a pastor for long, I don't think. Look here, I'm going to do something I want you to watch. I'm going to turn around like this with my back to you. Now you can hear my voice. And we're all looking to the Lord. We're all following the Lord. We're all obeying the Lord. It's not you in the church against them. Or you're up in a position and you're telling, I'm going to tell you lucky sinners what you ought to do. No, that's not it. We ought to all follow the Lord. We ought to all align with God's Word. We ought to all be obedient children, all of us. And your people know if you have that attitude and have it. That's not condescending. Uh, that's the thing that people need, you know. Uh, we're all following the Lord. We're all 
doing the thing God has given us to do. And by the way, what I've said is not perfect, but you've given the time to come here and listen. And I'm just trying to pour my heart out to you. I'm trying to be completely, completely transparent with you. And may God help us and guide us. I want you to enjoy what you're doing. Do you? Do you? You are the leader. You're leading the people somewhere. Are you leading them to God? And I want you to be happy. I want your wife to be happy. I want your family to be happy. And so I believe that's the Lord's desire for us to have his joy. Now read the 13th chapter of Matthew and see if you can discover that. Or excuse me, the 13th chapter of the gospel according to John. And when Jesus said, happy are ye if you do these things, find out what those things are. Are your feet in his hands? Are you? Are they in his hands? Find out what those things are. Don't you want to be a happy person? Don't you want your wife to be happy in the marriage she has with you? Don't you want your children to grow up with a, with a desire to serve the Lord that you're serving? May God guide us and help us. And may the Lord bless you today. Pray for me tonight, 6.30 Eastern, no, excuse, Central Time, 6.30 Central Time. I'll be delivering this, this uh, lecture at the State House in Nashville to a group gathered there on the role of religion in America. By the way, we need to pray for our friends in Canada. I see Kendall here. Um, and Brother Turner texted me and asked me to pray for him because... Um, it's coming to America. It's coming to America. And we need to get the foundation in the lives of our people so that they'll stand for God and for truth. But it's coming to America. Let freedom ring in our heart and our soul. Let me tell you this last thing. Listen. When our founding fathers gave us the documents that we have that our country's built on, they didn't give us our freedom. God gave us our freedom. They only recognized that these inalienable rights were already ours. God gave us that freedom. And now we move forward in that freedom. And the government is not to take the place of God in our lives. We're free people. We're law-abiding when the law doesn't cross the word of God. But we're free. And you're free today. Enjoy your freedom. We love you. This Shepherd Summit has become something I've enjoyed because I think I'm trying to help somebody. And I appreciate it very much. Would you pray with me? And pray for me tonight at 6.30 Central Time as I speak. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll bless and guide us all. 
Make these the greatest days of our lives. Help us to deal with the biblical principled things that help people build their lives upon thy glory. Guide us this day. Bless these dear ones. Join us this day. And others will be listening to this later. In Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Baptist Friends Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. And join us next time as we continue to gather around truth, friendship, and world evangelism.